While we're extremely thankful for so many things in our lives right now, amen? We are blessed. Uh, do you ever just thank God for the fact that somebody comes and magically takes away your garbage? Do you ever thank him for the fact that when you turn on your water, you can drink it? That you have heat in your house or air conditioning this week? Maybe everybody's like, I don't have air conditioning. Well, I get it. I understand. But I'm just going to say, you know, we're blessed in so many ways. Blessed with friends, provision, health, and even the blessing of God's continued presence with us, even when those things aren't there. Amen? The presence of God goes with us and is walking with us. You see, Jesus really is the gift that keeps on giving. We've been in our series on the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, and we're going to continue on that for the next year. And so you're like, well, wow, that's a long time. Do you know that Luke is the largest writer of the New Testament? Almost over a quarter of the New Testament was written by Luke. Between the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, it's an incredible thing. And so there's lots for us to learn and to be taught as we go through that. We talked about at the beginning of this series that uh, the kingdom of God is open. And that means life with God. This is the miracle story of Christianity. That God has come down to dwell and to do life together with you and with me. And I, I just, I don't think we realize how incredible it is, but we're going to look at how incredible that is today. We talked about faith uh, in the kingdom of God. And we, right in chapter 2, we jumped into the story of, uh, chapter 1, sorry, we jumped in the story of Zechariah and John the Baptist being born and Mary being told, you're, you're a virgin, but you're going to have a baby. And this idea of faith was an incredible thing. But then we found out that... Um, Faith in the Bible is very interesting because there's a faith that at times supersedes, which means it keeps on believing even when it doesn't get the answer that it wants. Have you ever had to have that kind of faith before? I, I have. And then there's faith that sees. And faith that sees is that faith that like, you know, healings happen miracles happen. People get saved. Faith that just sees the kingdom of God manifesting in a powerful way. And the last kind of faith in the Bible we talked about was faith that suffers. This is one that nobody likes, but yet it's part of our lives. If you've lived long enough, you realize that at times there is suffering to be had in this world. And so all of those things together, the invitation of God is to say, I will do life together with you through all of those things. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome. Amen? So today we're going to look at this idea of the kingdom of God manifesting in and through Jesus Christ and how that affects your life in a very powerful way. But let's pray as we go through that. Father God, thank you uh, for everybody gathered here, Lord. We ask you, Spirit of God, to come and help. 
Lord, we pray that you will give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts and receive and respond to you. I pray, Father, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better and to know the hope to which we have been called, Father God. Pour out your spirit upon us today, Holy Spirit. I pray that your presence will be in our hearts. Baptize us with your presence in Jesus' name. Amen Amen. and amen. Let's start. So Luke chapter 3 is really starts about John the Baptist. John the Baptist shows up on the scene and he's baptizing uh, people. He's calling people to repentance. He is that voice of one calling out in the desert, making a straight path for God, for the Savior to enter into people's hearts. And this guy's crazy. Like he is, he lives in the wilderness. He eats locusts and honey. Uh, You know, like gnarly. He's never cut his hair. Like this guy is like... Somebody who's never cut... No, I'm just kidding. Now, you understand, this is a bushel of hair. This guy's got bugs hanging out of his mouth. He's preaching repentance. You listen to a guy like this, or you run the other way. Well, these people are listening, and, and they're coming in, and they're coming in by droves. Jews and tax collectors and soldiers. All these people are coming in saying, we want to be right with God. We want to turn from our way of living and turn toward God's way of living. And so John the Baptist is this one calling them to this place, and he uses baptism as a symbol of of the new birth. So they bury their old life when they go down and they come up a new life and they're doing this and then all of a sudden um, Jesus is on the scene and he's watching the baptisms. <laughs> he's watching the baptisms which is quite a, kind of an incredible thing and as he's watching we're going to see in a moment he ends up going in to be baptized which was the plan all along. You know, they asked John the Baptist at one point, are you the Savior that we were expecting? And he says, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not even worthy to untie or loosen his sandals. This is the one who, who you know, like he's, he's awesome in every way. Jesus goes into the water to be baptized and John sees him. You can read this in a parallel text in Matthew. John sees him and says, oh, I can't baptize you. You need to baptize me. And Jesus says, no, no, no. This is for that we might fulfill all righteousness. You need to baptize me. And so Jesus enters into the water and John the Baptist baptizes him. Let's read that portion of the story. When all the people were being baptized... Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. A voice came from heaven, you are my son, I whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. So here's my question. You know, the text is amazing, and then we're going to look at some really incredible things from that text in a moment. But why would Jesus, who is the spotless Lamb of God, he literally is sinless. Why would he enter into the waters of baptism when these people are saying, you know, turn from your sinful life, 
come and be baptized as a symbol of that and then go and live with God. Well, Jesus does this because he's, he's really the savior of the world and he's literally standing in our place as sinners. He, you know, he's turning to lost humanity and he's seeing lost humanity coming in by droves to be baptized because people need God and they want to be right with God. But Jesus took our place in that moment. Not only did he take our place on the cross, but he starts by taking our place in the waters of baptism. Now, baptism, again, is we often think of it as that turning from our life of sin and turning toward God, but we're going to find out today it's far more than that. But it is that as well. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. So, guys, the, the pursuit of every religion is to be right with God. That defines every religion in the world. However, what makes Christianity unique of all the religions in the world, it's not what I do or fail to do that makes me right with God. It is what God has done by sending His Son, Jesus. And I place my faith in His finished work. Now, I had never seen this before. You know, it's amazing when you take time to study the Bible. I'd never seen this before. And the thing I didn't see, first of all, was it says, and he was praying, heaven was opened. Now, how many of you, that's, that's like seven words, 10 words maybe, I don't know, I didn't count them. Somebody's counting them right now. I just, I know personalities, like there we go. <laughs> he was totally wrong. Eight, it's eight, okay. Praise the Lord, thank you. In the English language, it's eight. Okay, so I had never seen that. Jesus was praying during his baptism. I, I had never seen that before. And then it's kind of a significant statement. Oh, by the way, heaven was rent and opened up. I mean, guys, this is kind of significant and uh, incredible. And then God speaks. God speaks. The Spirit of God descends like in the form of a dove. God speaks from heaven. We see the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity of God. How many of you know this is probably one of the most power-packed scriptural moments in the history of the New Testament? Right here. This is awesome. Now, so I started to look up those words in the original language, and I'm not a Greek scholar. You can do this as well. Don't be intimidated by that. But you can study this. And so I started to study a little bit. What did it mean that he was praying, and what did it mean that heaven was open? Well, let's look at those two things. I think that it's incredible. I, I, first thing I figured out was that I don't think the NIV totally captured the intensity and the severity of what occurred in that moment. I think the Passion Translation... Uh, gets it a little bit better. Here it is. One day, Jesus came to be baptized along with all the others as he was consumed with the spirit of prayer. The heavenly realm ripped open above him. How many of you that's a little more poetic? That's a little more intense. This is like Jesus is consumed with the spirit of prayer 
And I want you to understand what's happening, oh guys. Jesus is watching people walking into the baptism waters. They are going into the waters to be baptized. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior of the world. He is called to see people turn away from their selfish and self-centeredness, turn back toward God. And so he's experiencing this. He's watching people coming in by the droves to be baptized by John the Baptist. How many of you know in his spirit something is firing, something's going off, like this is the most, this is why I'm here. You know, he himself said, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. This is why I'm here. This is why I've come to planet Earth. He is in intense intercession. I want you to understand he's praying as he's watching these people be baptized because this is the reason he came to planet Earth. To see people turn back to God. Hallelujah. And so he's praying. He is praying this mandate, this mission that's upon him, this consumed with a prayer of, of, of intercession as he's praying. So this baptism is not just about Jesus, guys. It's actually about you. And it's about me. And it's an incredible moment as Jesus is praying. And then all of a sudden, the heavenly realm is ripped open above him. At the beginning of this series, I told you that as we go through Luke and the book of Acts, what we're going to discover is that these two bookend stories of the gospel are about the entirety of the gospel. And the entirety of the gospel is that the kingdom of God is open for you to come in and do life together with God. That's the gospel. (laughs) The gospel is that God has said to mankind, you can do life alone or you can do life with me. If you will but open your hearts and minds and and, and let me in, we will do life together. And so this is the moment in history, you guys. This is the moment when heaven literally is torn open and God the Father says, this is the moment the kingdom comes. Now the story's getting a little more intense. You follow what I'm saying? Heaven is rent, literally ripped open, torn, and God begins to say the kingdom of God can now invade earth. Wow. That's good news. (laughs) So when Jesus is baptized, heaven's power and presence is made available to the earth. Now guys, I don't think we realize what that means, but we're going to look at it. John 1.51, Jesus, it says this, from now on you will see Jesus is speaking. You will see an open heaven and gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairway reaching into the sky with the messengers of God climbing up and down upon him. Guys, what I'm trying to tell you is that Jesus Christ has made a way for you and I to access heaven's reality, to do life together with God. And, um, you know, like this is, again, what I told you at the beginning. (laughs) This is what makes Christianity different than every other religion in the world. Every religion pursues trying to be right with God, but it's man trying to reach God. Christianity is the only religion that says God came down and reached man. That's it. You cannot do this. I will give you as a gift this thing called righteousness if you will but trust me, stop your own selfish, self-centered, self-righteous, religious efforts and place your faith in my son, 
who died for you. And that is how we access heaven down to earth. And it's why Jesus said that no man can be saved but through the Son. No man can be saved. Amen? We all come through the Son. So you and I are in this relationship. I want you to understand the fullness of heaven. God is trying to bring that to bear upon this earth. Guys, I'm going to tell you there's a lot of stuff that God wants to bring to the earth through the body of Christ. Amen? Okay, let me tell you. Here's the storehouses in heaven that are full. I'm just going to read a few of these scriptures. You can type that in and look it up on your own way. You can say, well, how many, what, how many times does the Bible talk about storerooms? Here's just a few of them. Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour on you blessings until it overflows. How many of you know in the economy of God, there's no lack or shortage? God is saying you can manage your life and your finances the world's ways or you can do it God's ways. And this is the invitation. He actually is the only place in the Bible he says, test me in this. Kind of a cool thing. Let's go on. Deuteronomy 28, 12. The Lord o- opened up his good storehouses of heaven and gave rain to the land in its season and shall bless the work of our hands. And he shall lend to many na- we shall lend to many nations, but we shall not borrow. Deuteronomy 32, 34. And it is laid up in store with me, sealed up in my treasuries. Uh, Psalm 31, 19. How great is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you, which you have wrought for those who take refuge in you before the sons and daughters of men. 2 Corinthians 1, 20. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. 2 Peter 1, 2, his divine power has given us everything we need to live a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his great and precious promises that through them you might participate in the divine nature, escaping the corruption of the world and its evil desires. Guys, I could go on. There's, there's 50 scriptures about the storehouses of heaven coming through Christ and coming into your life. This is what God has designed and desired for the church. But it's not so that we can say, oh, look how blessed I am. It's Thanksgiving. I'm so blessed. That's good. You should be. And thank God you are. But Jesus wants you to know you've been blessed to be a blessing. This is to flow to you so that it can flow through you. Amen? You're going to get there. Hang in there. Stay with me. You're good. You ever wonder why God's storehouses are full? <laughs> well, God's super abundant. Amen. Of course. But how many of you know he's not a hoarder? <laughs> God is the ultimate five loaves ministry. He'll just keep giving and giving and giving. And he's looking for flow. He's looking for that to come to us so that it can flow through us. But I think that the church has misplaced and misunderstood their access point to God and really how fully God wants to flow through your life and my life to be a blessing to others. He's got these storerooms of heaven. He's like, guys, access it. Access it. Access it. 
Access the touch of healing. Access the grace of God. Access the peace of God. Access purpose and meaning in life. Access these stuff and teach others to do the same. Amen? Come on, Pastor. Yeah, I'm going to preach to myself, so just you might as well stick around. You might as well be with me. God is super abundant, but guys, he's called us to be the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Now, I love this. Again, it's amazing when you take time to study the scripture. Luke 3.17, John the Baptist is speaking, and this is what he says. He's speaking about Jesus. His winnowing fork is in his hand to thoroughly clear his threshing floor so that he can gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. Church, God is clearing out his storehouses to make room for the greatest harvest in history that is about to come in. I'd never seen that before. He's cleaning out the storeroom (laughs) to make room for the greatest harvest of people to come into the kingdom of God. We are in that moment in history, and I'm going to tell you why I know that's true. Um, Because everything we're doing as mankind is failing. We can't fix the problems. So we try to spend more money. We try to tax our people heavier. We try to do all kinds of things. How many know it's not going to work? How many have ever been in a point where you're like, nothing can help me in this world but only God? It's a humbling place to be. But this is where we are. His winnowing fork is cleaning room. Now listen to me. This is also important for you to hear. And this is actually probably the most important thing I'm going to say. He's actually cleaning room in your heart as well. He's burning up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. Which means Jesus Christ is calling the church to a place of dependency and reliance upon him as never before. You can fight it (laughs) or you can embrace it. Amen? Amen. This is amen. We got an amen. Hallelujah. I love it. But see, for too long, and not just the church, but mankind has been oblivious to their desperate need of God. It's really, we're the first generation that's done that, by the way. You know, a hundred years ago, a hundred years ago, you guys, one in every five children died at childbirth or shortly thereafter. A hundred years ago. That's an incredible statistic. We're the first generation that thinks it's our, we, well, that's, that's not going to touch me. We don't like to talk about suffering, do we? We're not good at it. But you understand we need to come back to a place of understanding God. So I'm calling the church, this is kind of a commercial break for a moment. I really feel to call the church to a new season of prayer and fasting. Why? Well, Jesus, the king of the kingdom, is in a moment of prayer and intercession at the brokenness of lost humanity that he sees, and he's praying for them as he goes down into the waters of baptism. And guess what, church? It's our turn to pray for humanity. Okay, listen. Listen. 
I don't agree with our prime minister's choices right now. I just don't. Okay. We got a few. This is not scripture now. This is Pastor Greg talking. So, but I'm going to tell you a little secret. I mean, sorry to tell you this, but your Facebook rants as to how evil he is and how he needs to go are not helping. He doesn't read your Facebook. <laughs> Listen, I sent him a letter this week because I have that kind of relationship. I just go on my computer and I send him a letter. I said, it was actually a desperate letter. It was like, please, please, please stop what you're doing. He said, your letter has been forwarded, for, uh, forwarded to the finance minister. <clears throat> I sent it to you, brother. He doesn't listen to me. Isn't that incredible? But he will listen to the living God. So starting not this Monday, not tomorrow, but next Monday, we're going to be having prayer meeting every Monday night, 7 o'clock. I want you to fast and pray. If you can't fast a meal or the whole day, fast a meal. I just want the church to realize it's time for us to pull heaven down to earth. Amen? Okay. Okay. <laughs> the answers have to come from heaven, you guys. So Christ's fervent prayer, heaven being ripped open, access to God being made available. And then listen what happens next. The Holy Spirit descended from heaven in the form of a dove and landed on him. That's good. Then God's audible voice was heard saying, my son, you are my beloved one. Through you, I am fulfilled. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Okay. So we celebrate baptism. We, from our perspective, is we've moved from that old life and I've been raised up into new life in Christ, which is true. That is part of baptism. But I'm going to tell you the greater part of baptism, guys, is actually what happens in this scripture. The greater part of baptism is that you are invited to become a member of the body of Christ or the family of God. This is why the Father spoke. This is my son. Identity confirmed. Amen? This is my son, the son of God. Hallelujah. I'm accepting him. You know, we know who we are and whose we are. And, and this is part of who you are as well. Abba and child, father and son or daughter. What's next, Papa? Romans 8 says, God's spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. The father's affirmation of security is next. Whom I love. Church, God loves you despite what you have done. God loves you no matter what you do. You say, well, I can just do whatever I want then? No, no, no. Because doing whatever you want means it'll destroy you. But it's not going to affect God's love for you. God loves you. His love is unconditional that way. But he loves you unto purity. He will not, his love does not allow you to stay in your brokenness. 
His love loves you unto victory and transformation. He will not relent because he will not, he will not condone those things that destroy your life. Amen? Father's affirmation of security. The Father's affirmation of acceptance. Lastly, the Father's affirmation of significance. Through you I am fulfilled, he said. Your version might say, upon you my favor rests, or my anointing, my blessing. And what he's saying is, I'm going to find my fulfillment. I'm going to bless you and empower you with all of heaven's storehouse, all the blessings of heaven, in order that my work as the deliverer might come to pass in this world. The Father's heart is for deliverance of the world. Amen? The Father's heart is for freedom in Christ. And then Jesus begins his ministry. The foundation of Jesus' ministry was not to earn the Father's love and acceptance and security, but it to flow out from that reality. And so it is with you and I. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to you and me the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Amen? I love this. The genealogy, I didn't include this, but you can read it yourself in Luke chapter 3. The genealogy of Jesus goes all the way back to Adam here. The other genealogy listed, I believe in the Gospel of Matthew, only goes to Abraham. Why? Because Abraham was the forefather or he was the patriarch of the Jewish people. But Adam is the patriarch of humanity. And so this scripture, the reason the lineage of Jesus is, goes all the way back to Adam, what he's saying is Jesus is not just the savior of the Jews. He's the savior of the whole world. Amen. Right back to Adam. Amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. This is the blessing, the provision. This is what God is doing. And you guys, you know, he said to him, you are, through you I am fulfilled. You've heard me say this in the past, but I'll say it again. Do you know God, the first time God is called a father is found in Exodus chapter 4. The people of God are under slavery in Egypt, and he comes and he says, Israel is my firstborn. Let my people go. And so God is called a father. Do you know what he's saying? The work of deliverance is God's work. The work of setting the captive free is the work of God. And by the way, do you ever pray a prayer called the Our Father? Do you know every single time you pray that prayer, you are declaring, God, I need to come to you to pull down heaven's reality to earth because I'm joining you as your son or daughter in the work of deliverance of this world around me. 
You didn't realize you were that important, did you? And you've got an access point through Christ now to pull down the reality of heaven to earth into the situation of some very broken people. Amen? Isn't that beautiful? Our Father has us entering into the work of deliverance. Everything, listen to me now, everything He has said over Christ now applies to you and me. You are accepted. You are His sons and daughters. When you gave your life to Jesus, you came into the family of God. You are secure. Whom I love. You look at your life and you say, my life is a shipwreck, Pastor Greg. It's so broken. I get it. But God chose you. I didn't pick you. I didn't pick me. (laughs) But God picked you. And he said, I I love you. Do you know what that means? You've heard me use this analogy again before. He buys the whole field. Not just the parts that produce good things. He buys the sewer pipes. He buys the broken areas, the unbroken areas of your life. That's how good he is, guys. But he has a job for you to do. You see, you are significant. This is why his favor rests upon you in that his will might be fulfilled through you and through me and through the church of Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's, that, Pastor Greg, that's really Jesus, but is it me? Check this out. I mean, isn't the Bible amazing? 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 and 18. I'm going to read it from the Message Bible. Here you go. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us. Check this out. So that we're free of worry on judgment day for our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There's no room for fear in love, in, no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment is one not yet fully formed in love. Church, your standing in this world is identical with Christ's. <laughs> identical in what way? Before God the Father. When God the Father looks at you, He sees His Son, Jesus. You are in Christ. This is the miracle of the New Testament. I have been forgiven and I've been adopted into the family of God. And now I join the family business and the family business is booming. Amen? Amen. I got the best amen in the front row here. Hallelujah. Church. I'm going to ask the band to come back now. You ready for this? This Thanksgiving? You are now the gift that keeps on giving. Jesus was the gift 
that kept on giving. And now you're the gift that keeps on giving. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, they come to Jesus in John chapter 12. Uh, some Greeks, they are watching what's going on with the Israelites, and they're like, we'd like to see Jesus. They literally request, can we have an audience with Jesus? And then they go to one of the apostles, and the apostles go to Jesus and say, there's some Greeks here who need to see you. They're very prominent men. They're very important. You should probably see them. And Jesus, of course, answers, oh, okay, I, I was busy over here, but I'm going to go. No, that's not what he says. He says the weirdest thing in the world. I mean, crazy stuff he used to say. Here's one of them. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it will produce many seeds. So are you going to see them or? I'm not sure what this means, Jesus. You ever, <laughs> you ever had a not sure what this means moment with Jesus? Like, I don't mean to offend you, but that did not make a lot of sense right now, Jesus. He was saying, they're not going to see me as me, but they're going to see me as the body of Christ. They're going to see the kingdom of God through you. But there's a caveat. There's something that has to happen for that to occur. And in John, it goes on and says this, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Church, Jesus took up his cross in order to save the world. You and I have to take up our crosses in order to act as those who represent their Father. You know, dying to self is not something you can do. It's dying to self is something you do in partnership with God. It's letting go of a self-directed life, a life that says, I'm enough in and of myself. And it's saying, God, I need you. I need you, God. I need you in my family, God. I need you in my teenagers. I need you in my school when my kids are being taught things that are not of your kingdom. God, I need you in my finances right now because, man, it's really expensive to buy bread today, Jesus. Oh, by the way, you can have some bread. We got it for you. The Father's provision coming down. Amen? You need carrots the size of trucks? They are out there right now. Bring a truck on Sunday because they're getting big. Church, it's time for us to go and to be the agents of thanksgiving. Wasn't Patricia's video astounding? At the end of the day when you leave, they load carts of the leftover vegetables and they put them in the back of her car as she goes around her neighborhood and opens her trunk and says to everyone in her neighborhood, come and take. The Father is good. And his bountiful harvest is available to you. Amen? What an incredible, incredible thing.